Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. On this week's game day segment, we welcome Chris Ballas from the Wolverine. Before he joins us, let's get it started with my view from Section 17. Saturday was the perfect day in many ways. The weather was great, almost late fall in southeastern Michigan, and we could sit back, relax, and watch us do what we should do to an undermanned opponent. Will pounding western Michigan satisfy the fan base right now? Probably not. Thankfully, the team put Notre Dame in the rearview mirror faster than many of us. What was obvious after that Notre Dame game is that the offense is still very much a work in progress. The offensive line opened holes, we got nice production from three backs, didn't have to throw much, but Shea looked very good when he did. The receivers also got separation and made some really nice catches. The defense did what we thought they would do, dominated that side of the ball, and at this point I'm not even worried about the defense. At the end of the day, it was a win. It won't satisfy the fans and the critics that say, who cares, it was Western. Let's see us do that to Nebraska or Wisconsin. We're going to get that chance. It's coming soon enough. But there were some good signs on Saturday, and yes, we need to keep improving. So only time will tell. Chris Ballas thinks the pieces are still in place for a big year. But we need to keep getting better in many phases of the game, especially on that offensive line. And yes, we all agree with that. He joins me next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew.
Joining us on our game day segment this week to take a look back at a great home opener and a bit ahead to Saturday's game is Chris Ballas from the Wolverine. Great to have you back with us, Chris. Mike, thanks for having me, buddy. Well, it was a resounding win on Saturday against an overmatched opponent, okay, but uh, there was much to like, Chris, especially, finally, on the offensive side of the ball, wasn't there? Yeah, there was, and there should have been. We saw what Syracuse did to that Western Michigan team a week earlier, and they moved the ball at will, and if you're a solid Big Ten team going out against an overmatched MAC team like Western Michigan is, this is not the uh, team that we saw under P.J. Fleck a few years ago, then you should be able to run the ball like that. You should have plenty of opportunities to score, and after that first disappointing three and out, they moved the ball at will. The running backs ran hard. Uh, Western safety play was abysmal, which really kind of led to the big plays in the running game. Uh, but still, some creases in there. The offensive line did a better job picking up some stunts and some of the blitzes that were coming their way than they did against Notre Dame. Uh, in all honesty, you would have liked to maybe see this one be the opener and uh, get some of those things out of the way before you played Notre Dame. It didn't work out that way, obviously. But a great bounce-back win. Uh, the defense was outstanding against a Western team that does have some playmakers. So, uh, you know, I, I saw a lot of people saying, well, this doesn't mean anything, but you can only play the teams that are in front of you. And they improved, I thought, and uh, did some really good things on Saturday. Well, as we said, a lot of things to like, Chris. Shea Patterson made a couple of throws on Saturday, the kind we have not seen a Michigan quarterback make in a while. Are you excited about what he's bringing to this offense? Yeah, without question. And, in fact, I, I kind of likened it to what Jim Harbaugh brought to the offense when he was quarterback in Michigan and that they haven't had a guy who can throw on the run like this and escape pressure uh, like this since Jim Harbaugh in the, in the mid-'80s and the, uh, the later-'80s. This kid has a great feel for when the pocket breaks down, keeping his eyes downfield and being able to throw on the run. He had a throw to Oliver Martin on the sideline. Great catch by the redshirt freshman receiver, but that ball was on the money. He's running to his left and really throws a bullet uh, on the run, running on a dead run to the left. You don't see a whole lot of quarterbacks that can do that. And then he had a read on Donovan Peoples-Jones' touchdown where he went through his progressions, and other quarterbacks, like Jim Harbaugh said, might have thrown it to where the linebacker was trying to bait him to throw it on a slant, looked him off, threw a perfect strike to Donovan Peoples-Jones, his second read. That's great stuff, and that's something that we haven't seen from Michigan quarterbacks probably in, in uh, 10 years. I thought Devin Gardner did some great things. If He would have he would have done more behind a better offensive line, but this kid is Michigan's best quarterback since Chad Henning, no question about it, and uh, is only going to get better as the line gets better. Well, the running game was outstanding, as we saw, and of course that means there were holes. Nice effort from the often maligned guys in the trenches, Chris, wasn't it? It was, and uh, the, the one thing that we're going to have to see is how they do it against the Wisconsin's, the Michigan States, and teams like that, but again, you can only play the teams in front of you. And, uh, you know, I don't think the problem with these guys is strength and pushing people off the ball. I think the problem is picking up the stunts and the blitzes and, and things like that. But uh, you, I really like this team better with Ben Mason on the, on the field, too, at fullback. And I asked Jim Harbaugh about that in the postgame. And he said, yeah, anytime you rush for over 300 yards, your fullback probably has something to do with that, too. But this is a more physical football team when he's on the field. And when he brings that mentality, I think they are just better. And uh, I like him out there. I hope to see more of him out there. You're going to see several sets, empty uh, empty backfield sets and things like that still because they're going to mix it up. But honestly, I want to see more of Ben Mason and uh, hoping to see him get a carry or two down by the goal line eventually too. Maybe they're saving that for a bigger game, but that kid can run with the ball as well. I'm glad you brought Ben Mason up, Chris. That is an often overlooked piece of the game by the fans, but I was keeping an eye on him uh, on Saturday. He is just one 
heck of a blocker. So much credit goes to him. I mean, the offensive line, yeah, they stepped up, they played better, but he makes a huge difference. He is a blocker. Yeah, he is, and he reminds you of a Kevin Dudley who played in the early 2000s and a Chris Floyd. I think he's got an opportunity to be in that upper echelon of blockers that Michigan has had at fullback, and of course we saw under Bo Schembeck for a long time ago, but uh, to be elite. You know, Mark Mondros was good here in that role, uh, but I really believe that this kid uh, is special in that role, and that's why I think they have to have him on the field. So there was one play where he not only took out a linebacker, but he took out a safety behind the linebacker because he got such push on his block, and he finishes his block. He, uh, they call him Bench Mason because of his bench <laughs> press, and he's the strongest guy on the team. But he is seriously uh, a wrecking ball out there, and they need to have him on the field. Well, it was also a nice game from our young receiving corps. Granted, we did not have to throw the ball that much, but we, we've talked in not only uh, the Notre Dame game at the end of last year about how the receivers were having trouble getting separation. Now, I don't know if Saturday was more on Western secondary or the fact that we were running the ball, which uh, can get you separation, but they did a nice job. They did, a little bit of both. It's nice, isn't it, to see a receiver behind a defensive back by by (laughs) so so many yards that he's waiting for the ball. And uh, we hadn't seen that since Tariq Black, probably. We saw it a couple of times with Donovan Peoples-Jones, where he a couple of steps last year uh, and a couple of big plays. Wisconsin comes to mind. But when you've got a receiver waiting for the ball like Nico Collins did, the sophomore on his long touchdown you know you did something right we saw him blow by the Notre Dame secondary for a 52 yarder and those were big plays that have been lacking in this offense and uh, nice to see Shea Patterson hit him in stride but still want to see a little more from Donovan Peoples-Jones and uh, hopefully get Tariq Black here back in October or November he's out with a broken foot obviously the the redshirt freshman. So, but they've got talent there. Oliver Martin, you're starting to see some of the things that he can do. And uh, Grant Perry was open a couple of times. Shea Patterson threw a little high. I thought Grant Perry could have caught the ball over the middle on the post, but uh, a play that he will often make. But they've got some talent out there now, and it's fun to see these guys. Even a Jake McCurry, who Jim Harbaugh likes to talk about the the walk on, got a touchdown uh, and and did some nice things to get open. So you can really see the Jim McElwain effect there, in my opinion. Um, Florida's former head coach, who's now Michigan's wide receivers coach. You can see these guys have really been working on getting off the line and getting open. That's the number one priority. Well, you know, Chris, I've always been a Karan Higdon fan. I really do believe he's an underrated back uh, around the country. And he reminded us on Saturday, though, you just give him a little bit of a crease, and he gets to the second level very, very fast, doesn't he? He's got great feet, and uh, adding that 14 pounds that he did has not slowed him down at all, as we've seen. He really turns the corner. What I really like is that he's making safeties miss. You know, if there there might be a missed block in there, but that's what Tyrone Wheatley and some of these other running – Fred Jackson always used to tell me, you know, it's up to you to make one guy miss that safety miss uh, if those guys up front do their job and get by somebody, and he's doing that. And sometimes he's doing that even when those guys are running downhill and, and filling holes. Uh, so we're seeing some great things from him. I really like Chris Evans, too. thought he showed great acceleration and great feet. Now, that his long touchdown run – think 20-something yards, the safety made a terrible play lunging at his feet, but he recognized it, bounced away from it, and the acceleration that he has in making a move and then being able to get back up to top speed is, is pretty elite, so I'd like to see more touches from him too, but to see the both of those guys do what they did, uh, and again, against an overmatched opponent, and talking to some of Michigan's offensive linemen that broke down film, they said, look, you know, this is Western, and they're going to be bigger tests, but again, 
uh, some real positives on Saturday that you hope to see going forward. Well, you know who else I, I was uh, glad to see was True Wilson. We had been hearing about him since spring, and Jim talked about him in the summer. He looks like a nice little third back. He really does. And you know what I like most about him is his contact courage when it comes to pass pro. He took a, a cut block on a blitzer, a blitzing linebacker that reminded me of Mike Hart and what Mike Hart used to do with regularity in the mid-2000s. I'm not saying he's Mike Hart when it comes to being a blocker, but it was that kind of a block where you sacrifice your body, and that's what Michigan backs are supposed to do. Nobody's supposed to touch that quarterback, and True Wilson, the, the son of a Marine, you can see that he's really good in that role. That's what Jim Harbaugh said when we were in Paris. He said that's why he's really earned that number three job coming out of the spring was because he will sacrifice and you could see it. Now he had huge holes to run through too. And it was great to see him get some carries, but he's come a long way. Harbaugh said, and really feeling where to go and when with the ball and uh, not a big guy, but he's got a lot of heart and really like him. And there's the number three back. Well, Chris, last week, the fan base was, as we know, out of their minds after the Notre Dame game, <laughs> uh, especially yeah. when it came to the offensive play calling. I got just so many emails on that. What are we doing? What kind of a game plan did we have? And I know fans, you know, still don't want to hear this, but you've got to crawl before you can walk, even with as much yeah. talent as we have out there. This offense, in many ways, is still a work in progress, isn't it? It's a big-time work in progress, and that's why you would have liked to see this game, you know, second or third on the schedule, that Notre Dame game, in my opinion. You're going out there against a very good defensive football team and asking these guys like John Runyon Jr. at left tackle who hasn't played there, you know, to, to really step up and play a good, solid game. And, uh, you know, if they'd played uh, just a, a little bit better at every position, if that defense would have held up better, uh, they made some head-scratching mistakes early in that game. Lavert Hill passing off a, a receiver, not passing off a receiver, leaving him wide open on the first third down play of the game. That really could have set the tone with a three and out. Uh, and then it's like Mike Zordich, the cornerback's co- coach, said it looked like he'd never played – uh, defense before man-to-man coverage before when he was on the on the second play it's like what are you doing out there these these are things that we practiced 15 to 20 times so it was disappointing uh the defense could have made some plays brad hawkins in the end zone uh you know getting jumped over by a 511 receiver things that we probably won't see again all year is my point but uh when it comes to the offense yeah i understand the the concern about the play calling at the same time if you can't protect and you know patterson was hit probably 15 times in that game there were so many pressures, sacks, and, and everything else, and hits that he just didn't have time to throw. So you got to be careful with dropping him back and uh, and just letting him wing it. So you're right, I think. Uh, but I, you know, they moved the ball, and that's one thing that we can say. They took a couple of bad sacks, and that game could have gone either way. Even with all the mistakes Michigan made, and as poorly as they played, and they played terribly in several facets of that game, they still had a chance to tie it at the end. So they've got a chance to improve and be a really good football team. I don't have any question about it. Anxious to see how that offensive line continues to come together and if we see some of those younger guys in the lineup going forward. Well, we do have some other positives going on right now, Chris. One of them is punting, not only against Notre Dame, but Will Hart has been very, very good, hasn't he? He has, and that's great to see because that was a huge concern. Brad Robbins is hurt, and we heard in the summer that it was going to be one of those things. And we expected him to be doing what Will Hart's doing now, right? We saw his high school film and and how good he was. But uh, we had some guys at practice saying that uh, the, the ball sounded the same coming off of Will Hart's foot as it did when Kenny Allen was here. And Kenny Allen had a great couple of years here, uh, and especially the last year as a Michigan punter. And uh, and we're seeing it. Uh, he's doing a great job. And uh, and Jake Moody on kickoffs, mm-hmm. you know, the true freshman. Who would have guessed? You know, they, this kid's getting the, the ball into a stiff wind, into the end zone. And uh, what a weapon that is. So 
Uh, great to see those two guys. Uh, the special teams, you know, the one area still putt return. Donovan Peoples-Jones still doesn't look like he's, you know, real comfortable back there in my opinion uh, and needs to get better. But uh, I think kick return, obviously, which we saw with Ambry Thomas, coverage has been outstanding. So really a lot of positives there. And with a team that's offensively challenged, at least in the early going against Notre Dame, those are areas and hidden yards that will really help this team. Quinn Nordine missed a 40-yarder on Saturday, barely from where I was sitting. I thought it went through, but it just missed. I saw it on tape after the game. Uh, Got to yeah. make sure he does not get into some kind of a funk early, Chris. Yeah, and uh, we'd heard that he was inconsistent in camp, and he I thought he yanked it. He kicked it a little bit too hard, and was, you know, he's got to understand, uh, you know, he's got to take a little something off it. And it's it's like... It's like golf, I guess. You know, don't overswing is what they always say, and it yeah. seemed like that's what he did on that kick. So, But, you know, he got into a funk in the middle of the year last year, but recovered from it. Uh, he's a great kicker, and he had a great end of the camp from what we heard. So uh, those are kicks that he's going to have to make, though. You're absolutely right against the better teams on the schedule. Those are going to be the differences in games like Wisconsin, for example, like Ohio State, I think, even Penn State, which had an, ex- uh, an explosion on offense against Pitt, uh, Michigan State on the road. So kicks that he's going to have to make. Well, there was some talk last week, or was some talk last week, that Ambry Thomas might get some time on offense. We saw a bit of that on Saturday. And, you know, when you watch him on offense, he, he passes the eye test for me, Chris. He's just got something you can't coach. And, you know, Jim likes to refer to that it factor that everyone talks about. He's an exciting yep. player to watch, isn't he? He is. He's explosive, and he's got great speed. I would imagine we're going to see a fly pattern or two with him yeah. at some point as well And uh, because he's got that speed. and uh, But it looks like he's going to be that, that uh, Eddie McDoom type, right, that gets yeah. the uh, the jet sweeps and uh, anything. I think he's got better speed. I think the, his teammates say he's the fastest guy on the team. So uh, And it's great to get him on the field because right now he's not seeing much time on defense, and the reason for that is because Brandon Watson, the fifth-year senior, has been one of the pleasant surprises of the, of the uh, the first two games he's been outstanding uh if you can keep Ambry Thomas off the field with the kind of spring that he had and it was really good then you're doing something right so you got to get him find ways to get a playmaker like that on the field and when you've got injuries like to guys like Tariq Black uh you need to have somebody else step up and when guys like Eddie McDoom leave and and uh, Kakoa Crawford so it's great to see. Uh, there were some hints early in the week that we might see that, and uh, and we certainly did. Uh, and he is. He's a guy that I think, uh, as you saw in the kick return, the 100-yarder, 99-yarder against Notre Dame, has that breakaway speed and that ability. And uh, it's going to be fun to see what they do with him coming up in the next few weeks. Well, the one thing he does, Chris, you notice, and you hear from high school to college, you hear coaches talk about this, don't stop when you cut. Cut at full speed because the defense, they're chasing you. They aren't stopping. He cuts at full speed, and that's what, even on the uh, little uh, toss uh, on Saturday, he just left that guy just standing there. (laughs) Just amazing how fast he cuts. Yeah, and some guys can't do that, and he certainly can. And uh, that's what we saw from him in high school and uh, why we thought he was going to be so good. Uh, he's going to be a great defensive back, too, eventually. Uh, he really will. But uh, still learning the position a little bit and learning um, some things when it comes to, to tackling in the, in the running game. But this is a kid that, again, is just uh, he's a natural, like you said. And, and guys like that, you have to find ways to get them on the field. To their credit, that's what they're doing now. Well, looking at the defense, other than the first three series in the Notre Dame game, Don Brown's defense has been dominant in just about every aspect of the game. To me, that's what we have to hang our hat on still. Yeah, without question. And everybody thought that Maurice Hurst was going to be easily replaceable, right? And we heard about Michael Dwumfer. Oh, he's the next Mo Hurst getting off the ball. 
Mohurst was a once in a decade talent when it came to getting off the ball. Yeah. That, that kid is that good, and you just don't replace him. And especially when you're banged up on the interior like they were. Lawrence Marshall, the fifth year senior, didn't play. Aubrey Solomon, the sophomore, has a knee injury and uh, will be out for a while. So, one guy that I thought that really stepped up was Carlo Kemp, played well in there. Brian Monet kind of is what he is. He's a space eater, right? Mm-hmm. About 350 pounds. So that's the one concern still. How are those guys going to hold up against a big team like uh, like Wisconsin? But the speed on this team is evident, and we saw it again. I really thought uh, they did a great job with their, their gap responsibilities mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. And uh, and the way that the, the linebackers are playing right now and flowing to the ball is, is the most impressive thing to me. Devin Bush uh, is, is outstanding. Uh, it, it's like Jim Harbaugh said, he hasn't seen a faster linebacker and maybe has never, never coached a faster linebacker at any level, and you're seeing that. You're seeing guys get to the ball because of that team speed. So I uh, got to minimize the big plays. That was the only question mark in that first game. Maybe they were in position to make plays, though. You just got to make them. And I would like to see a few more turnovers when you get two hands on the ball, you know, make a play. But it's really hard to criticize anything about this defense. People still try and say, well, you got to play more zone, this, that, this, that. But you know what? Don Brown's defense is going to be right up there at the top of in, in the country in, in several categories again at the end of the year. It's not going to be the defense why Michigan doesn't win a championship if that's what happens at the end of the year. Well, it was a great win on Saturday for a lot of reasons. And I'll, you and I have both been around Michigan football for a long time, Chris. And yeah. the one thing I'm still sensing, though, is I don't know if I have ever seen the fan base so antsy. And, you know, Saturday, we just got settled in. The game just started. When Will Hart trotted onto the field to to punt in that first series, I thought the lid was going to come off the place. I mean, there's just so much frustration <laughs> in the fan base yeah. right now. And uh, I guess the reality is that this really, really is a huge year for Michigan football, isn't it? It is, because a lot of these guys are going to be playing on Sundays next year, and you're going to have to be reloading a little bit. You'll have a lot of pieces back. Uh, especially up front on the offensive line, Shea Patterson or Dylan McCaffrey will be the guy. I loved what I've loved what I've seen from him. Um, but you know, you've got an opportunity with with the defense and Rashawn Gary and guys like that uh, that are the guys that might not be here next year. Lavert Hill, who knows? Some of these underclassmen might go too. Uh, a Devin Bush and and they understand that it's been since 2004 that this team's won a championship a program. This program, they've never been to Indianapolis and they've got all these resources. <clears throat> They're paying their coaches good money and uh, and they want to see a winner again. And I don't blame them. You know, it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. It's been since the 1950s, 1951 to 64 that we've had a drought this long and we've seen a drought this long in Ann Arbor and um, really haven't been all that close. Uh, a couple of years, they've had good years, but uh, 2016, they're a bad call or two away from from going to the Big Ten championship game. But uh, it's time to win, and I think that they understand in year four uh, around the country, a lot of coaches have their programs up and running, and uh, and they expected that from Jim Harbaugh as well. At the very least, they didn't expect them to look as inept on offense as they did last year and in that Notre Dame game. But uh, we saw a slow start in 2015 as well with Jake Rudock, and they got better. And Jim Harbaugh teams in the past have historically gotten better. So I, I'm expecting with the pieces that they have, and they've got pieces, if they can put this thing together, I think this is going to be a very good football team and uh, just requires uh, a little more patience. It's easy to say, but uh, it's going to take a little bit of a little bit of time for this thing to gel, especially up front on the offensive line. But, uh, yeah, I can understand their angst and, and certainly their frustration. Well, a final thought, Chris. This Saturday, SMU pays a visit to the Big House, their first time here since 1963. That was a Michigan win back then. 
this should be, should be another confidence builder, Chris. Yeah, this this ain't the Pony Express, right? <laughs> no, There's no Eric Dickerson back oh, yeah. there. And uh, they actually started out and did decently against uh, TCU, I thought. But um, but this is not a good football team. In fact, Michigan's a 33-point favorite, I think, and they were 27 against Western. This is going to be one of those games in which uh, SMU is completely overmatched. It's going to be tough to see how they score, frankly, you know, and uh, it's hard to shut any team out as we saw on Saturday, but I, I would expect Michigan to get, get a lot of, a lot of run for the twos, get some guys that are banged up, some more rest and, uh, and heading into that Nebraska game. Uh, I thought Nebraska showed some things under Scott Frost. I understand that they lost to, uh, to Colorado. However, uh, that that's going to be a, an interesting first first Big Ten game as well. So this is one of those weeks that you work on some things. Uh, maybe sprinkle some of those second team offensive linemen into the in, with the ones at times and see how they do. I was really impressed mm-hmm. with the way they got off the ball there in the fourth quarter. So just stay healthy, right, and and get ready for that Big Ten season. And uh, should be another one, another snoozer, and another fun one for Michigan fans on Saturday. Maybe the last one of the year. So let's enjoy it. Our guest today. You got it. <laughs> Our guest today on the show, as we've uh, been taking a look back at a nice win over Western Michigan, is Chris Ballas from the Wolverine. As always, Chris, uh, great to have you on the show, and we look forward to getting you back later in the season. You bet. Thanks, Mike. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Quick hits today at Jim's Monday presser. He said Tariq Black is recovering from surgery to repair his broken foot. Jim would not rule out his return later in the season. Defensive lineman Lawrence Marshall and Aubrey Solomon are working through injuries and should be back sooner rather than later, and those were Jim's words. No other injuries were mentioned. Good news on the recruiting trail in the last three days. We've picked up another three verbals. Four-star defensive end Mike Morris from Delray Beach flipped from Florida State, where his dad played. Three-star tight end Nick Patterson from San Antonio Christian gave his verbal on Saturday. Yes, he is the younger brother of Shea Patterson. And four-star running back Giles Jackson from California gave his verbal on Monday. The class of 2019 now has 22 verbals and is ranked 10th by 24-7 sports. On Thursday's visitors segment, my guest will be the radio play-by-play voice of SMU football, Rich Phillips. We'll also update injuries and Saturday's weather on that show. Don't forget our free show app is available from the Google Play and iTunes stores. You can also hear us on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart, TuneIn, and Wolverine Sports Radio. That will do it for this week's game day show. So thanks for joining us, and please tell your friends and family about the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Once again, we'll be back on Thursday with our visitor segment when our guest will be the radio play-by-play voice of the SMU Mustangs, Rich Phillips. So until then, take care, and as always, go blue.
Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!